Good morning, everyone. I'm sure. I'm sure that's the same as an Ed Sheeran song. Is that the same as an Ed Sheeran song? Is that, I'm sure it's exactly the same chord sequence. I'll have to look it up on Spotify when I get home. Anyway, a really, really warm welcome to you this morning. Uh, my name's Jamie. I lead the site here in uh, in Bradley Stoke. It's great to see you if you're here uh, for the first time with us. Let's just pray before we start. Our Father. Father, we want to draw close to you right from the outset this morning. I thank you that, thank you you say in the Bible, we can draw near to the throne of grace. We can actually do that. And we want to come this morning. I just pray for us as a people, as a church together, Lord. We know we've not always got, got it right. We know that we don't always live the way you want. But I thank you. It's not about anything we could ever do. But Jesus, I thank you that you have made a way. You have died for us. You love us. So we come. We come into your presence. And we just welcome you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You say that you search out the things that are in the heart of God and you make them known to us. I just pray, would you do that this morning? Would you come upon us right from the outset? Lord, we want to know your presence. We want to hear from you, Jesus. Lord, whatever anyone hears from me, Lord, we want to hear your voice speaking to us. I pray that you'd show us, that you'd reveal to us, you'd speak to us the things in your word, the things that are in the heart of God. We ask you that in the name of Jesus, be with us. Amen. Amen. Um, Right then, if you have got your Bible with you, do you want to turn with me, first of all, just to the book of Romans, chapter 8. And um, I want to kind of put my finger on something this morning, which I feel like the Holy Spirit is, is highlighting at least to me, and maybe, maybe to all of us, hopefully to all of us. And um, we're just going to read uh, from verse 31. By the way, it was great last week, wasn't it, hearing Andy sharing the vision. It's a, a, a kind of an inspiring kind of message, first of all from Scripture, but also kind of laying out where we, where we want to be, what we want to be as a church in the, in the years and decades to come, really. And um, I don't know, I think Nick picked up on this afterwards, so sometimes you hear something like that and you think, wow, you know, that's wonderful, but, but that's for someone else. Someone else has got a place in that. I feel, I feel disqualified. I feel like that's not for me. I feel like, well, you know, somebody else is qualified to do that. But, but if you knew where I was at at the moment and what was coming against me, what was going on or not going on in my life, actually, that, that's a great vision for somebody else. It says here, what shall we say, verse 31, to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And I don't know, you read verses like that sometimes and you think, well, who can be against us? I've got a list of quite a few things, actually, now you mention it. My health, that's definitely against me. And uh, sin, well, if you knew what what I've been battling with in the last... The last little while, that's definitely against me. And, and, you know, my job, well, that feels like it's against me at the moment. My husband, my wife, (laughs) you don't even want to go how they're against me. The devil, he's against me. It just kind of feels like there's so much coming against me. If you knew actually what was going on or what the, 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 the kind of the state of my heart within me, actually, you wouldn't be saying, yeah, come and get involved in this vision because actually there's so much. We feel like we can sometimes go through seasons where we're completely disqualified because we've been torn down by things. Maybe it's not even necessarily things that we've done wrong. Maybe it's just the baggage that we're carrying. Maybe it's just, you know, I'm just finding it so difficult to to, to let go of that thing, to let go of that bitterness. You know, I didn't invite it into my life. I just just got up one morning and and, and this betrayal happened to me. And 
And I know all the cliches, and I, and I know about forgiveness, and I know it's like unforgiveness, and I know it's like drinking poison, and I know, I know all of these things, but it's just so hard, and it's, it's, I'm carrying it as a weight. Or maybe it's just sin that's come into your life, and you think, well, I, I wasn't going after this. I, 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 didn't, I didn't mean to, to fall for this person. I didn't mean to. Um, I, I wasn't inviting feelings of same-sex attraction into my life. I didn't wake up and think, yeah, that would be a great idea, but, but now it's this thing that's, that's, that's in me, and, I, and I'm grappling with it, and I can't talk to anybody about it. And, I, and, I don't, and it's just, just heavy, and it's, I feel like I'm disqualified. I feel like it's come against me. Or maybe it's just, oh, it's the, it's the pressures of work and it's, and it's my relationship at the moment and, 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 and all these things happen and I lost my job and I, and I just hit rock bottom. I got this breakdown and, you know, the thing about having a breakdown is once you've had the breakdown, you're still broken, right? <laughs> and you kind of wake up in the morning and it's still there and you go to work and you're still broken and you try and pray and try and move on with God and try and get into his presence and, and you're carrying all this brokenness with you. And we kind of think, yeah, actually, who can be against me? Well, you know what? Actually, quite a lot of things. Actually, quite a lot of things have come against me. I feel like I've just been crushed. And yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm here in church this morning. I'm part of the vision. I'm serving on the kids' work today. I'm, I'm in the band. I'm, I'm leading the Alpha table. I'm preaching the sermon. I don't know who thought that would be a good idea. <laughs> but if, if you knew, you're thinking different ones will say, but, but yeah, but if you knew what the weight that I was carrying, if you knew the sin that I was going through, if you knew just how hard it was at the moment, you wouldn't be inviting me to come and, and join in with this. Because there's nothing left in the tank anymore. I, I, haven't, I haven't connected with Jesus in, I don't know. Some will say, I just haven't, I haven't picked this up in, and I don't know. And I know I want to be a blessing to people, and I want to come and serve, and I want to come and give out, but there's, just, there's nothing going on there. And actually, into those seasons of life, the Bible speaks words of hope. I'll carry on. He says, who can be against us? Well, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died, and more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God who is interceding for us. Did you get that? Jesus, right now. Have you ever wondered what Jesus is doing at the moment? You know, you read the, you read the opening bits of the New Testament, you get a really good picture of what Jesus was doing 2,000 years ago. And if you fast forward to the end of the New Testament, you get a, some great pictures of what Jesus is going to be doing in the future. Have you ever wondered what Jesus is doing right now? He says here, he's praying. He's interceding for us. If you flip over again to Hebrews chapter 7, he talks about the same thing. I'm taking Hebrews out of the Bible. There we go. Verse 25. It says, Consequently, he, Jesus, is able to save to the utmost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. It's an amazing, hope-filled thought that Jesus is there and he is praying and interceding for us. What are we talking about? It's a funny Christian word, isn't it? Interceding. On a really simple level, when we, we talk about interceding, I might say, oh, I'm interceding for this person. I'm interceding for this situation. I'm just saying I'm praying for that thing. But actually, on a deeper level than that, intercession is, is kind of me leveraging some influence, the influence that I have with another person in, in, in order to influence them in favor of, of, of them. 
So, for instance, you might, you might come to, to your boss at work. I'm not sure how legal this is, but it's an, it's an, it's an example. You might come to your boss at work, and, and, and there might be a promotion going. There might be a new role on the team, and you think, you know what, I, I, know, I know the perfect person. It doesn't really seem like they're being considered. But you might go to your boss, and you, and you might intercede for them. You might say, you know what, I've been, I've been working with this guy for the last six months now, and he's contributed this to the team. He's, he's done this, all this kind of behind the scenes that you're, that you're not noticing. You're not saying, I, I, I really think that you should consider this person. What you're doing is you're speaking up on behalf of another person. Another aspect of intercession is that it actually can be used as a legal term. Actually, that you are coming and that you are interceding. You're making a defense on behalf of someone who is being accused. So, let's say, for example, uh, Matt. Sorry to pick on you, Matt. Matt has been accused of not putting away the cables properly uh, at, at the end of the service. He's been putting the, the microphones in the blue bag, and he's put the DI boxes in the red bag, and he's, he's in a whole lot of hot water. And I, and, and I might intercede on Matt's behalf. I might say, say hang on, whoa, hang on. No, no, I've, I have seen the dedication and the care which Matt does, and, and I might use the influence that I have. I might stand in his defense in order to make intercession for him. And so it says that Jesus, actually, in all the things that we're going through, in the temptations that we're facing, in the trials that we're going through, Jesus is in the business of speaking to the Father, making intercession for us. I love, I love the way the Bible just flipping back a couple of pages in, in chapter 4, speaks about the heart of Jesus in this. This is some of my, one of my favorite verses, chapter 4, verse 15. It says, he describes him as a high priest, is the one who, who, who approaches Father God on our behalf. He says, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, and yet without sin. He says, Jesus is... He's not unable to sympathize. He's walked those roads. He's faced those challenges. He's borne those temptations. In every respect, everything you can conceive of, every challenge, every temptation you can conceive of, or you can imagine, Jesus knows, Jesus identifies. I think sometimes we feel we can get precious little empathy from people with the things we walk through, never mind sympathy. But the Bible says, actually, Jesus does far more than empathize. There's, there's certain things that I, I can try and empathize about, but I don't necessarily know how to sympathize. So if I was, let's say I was speaking to someone who's a refugee, someone maybe who's, who's fled from a war-torn area like Syria, and they've, they've left their livelihood, they've left their family, their business, everything behind just with the clothes on their back. Maybe they've made a, a dangerous crossing into Europe. They're, they're, they're living maybe without documents in a, in a culture, in a language which is hostile, and they're facing poverty, they're facing uncertainty. Now, can, can I empathize with that person? I can give it a try, can't I? I can, I can have a swing of that. I, I can try and put myself in their shoes. I can try and imagine what it might be like to, to face down those kind of suffering and difficulty. Can I, can I sympathize? Well, no, not really. I, 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 I don't know. I've, I've been through some things in my life, but I don't know what it means to face that kind of suffering, that kind of poverty. I've not been there. I don't know. I can, I can determine that I'm going to respond in a compassionate way, but actually I, I can't connect with it. That's not something that I can understand from my experience. The Bible says here that Jesus, he sympathizes. He prays. He says, Father, Father, I, I understand why he's responding 
in this way in his life at the moment. You know what? I, I remember the battle. I remember the battle that I fought over this one when I was treated in this way. Father, I, I identify with, with why she's finding it so difficult to let go of this thing. Man, I remember the tears that I was weeping when I was praying up there on the mountain that, when, I, when I was let down by this person in that way. I, I understand that. Father, I know why he's grappling with this temptation. I face that temptation. Father, I'm praying, Father, will you bless him? Will you forgive? Will you have mercy? Will you restore? Will you wash? Will you cleanse? Will you bring this person out into the fullness of their destiny? And so when we have these times, when we we feel like a fraud, when we feel like we're under the cosh, when we feel like we're disqualified, actually we have a sympathetic high priest who is speaking with the Father. And he's saying, look, here is the blood that I shed. Here is the sacrifice that I made on the cross so that they could be fully restored and fully forgiven. Here it is. I have paid the price in full for the mistakes that have been made. I have taken their sufferings and their sins upon myself. Father, you can forgive. You see, Jesus is not in the business of excuse making. Jesus is not in the business of, 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 of bringing a pity party before the Father and saying, listen, on, on yeah, well, yeah, yeah, they, yeah, he really screwed up that time. But you know what? Yeah, I mean, that was a toughie, wasn't it? We can sweep that one under the carpet. No. He prays to the Father on the basis of what he did on the cross. Father, here is my blood. Father, here is my sacrifice. I paid the price. It is more than sufficient for all of her weakness, all of his sin. Father, forgive. Father, bless. He's doing this even as we speak. He prays on the basis of his perfect sacrifice. It's a good question to ask ourselves, I think, at this point. Well, why? Why is Jesus praying? Why is Jesus interceding? If you read a lot of the commentaries on these verses, there's many theologians, not all of them by by any any extent, but many who would kind of have us believe, well, he doesn't literally mean that Jesus is actually interceding. He's not actually coming before the Father on our behalf. All this means, really, is that the cross still works. You know, Jesus has shed his blood, he's, he's died for us, he's paid the penalty, so actually that's, that's still good. That's still in operation. If we repent, then our sins are forgiven. Hallelujah, that's true. But I'd like to put it to you that the Bible actually means what it says when he says that, that Jesus is praying to the Father. And sometimes we get, we get a little bit iffy about this because we begin to think, well, hang on a minute, does that, does that mean that there's some kind of reluctance then in, in, in the heart of the Father, you know? Uh, is, is it kind of saying, well, yeah, Jesus gets it. Jesus has been there. Jesus understands. He's, he's praying. But he's, he's, he's kind of, we need him really to twist the arm of, 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 of our Father God because he, he, he seems rather more aloof from the whole thing. He's, he's a rather reluctant Father who doesn't want to bless. Is, is that what's going on here? Is this why we need someone interceding on our behalf? Because otherwise we'd be doomed? No. I want to share a couple of reasons why Jesus is praying for us. First of all, Jesus is praying for us before the Father, not because it's not the Father's will to restore us, but precisely because it is. You see, this is how prayer works. This is how things happen in the kingdom of God. 
that the sons and the daughters of God, you and I, and, and, and Jesus, of course, who's, who's the foremost, the firstborn, we, we come and we pray and we intercede in alignment with the, will, with the will of God. And that's when the wheels start to turn. That's when things begin to happen. God has orchestrated it that in his kingdom, in his economy, actually, he responds to the prayers that are made in line with his will. That's how things work. So God begins to show us through the pages of the Bible, the more we read it, the more we understand it, the more we begin to say, oh, yes, I, I see. I see your will, Lord. I see what it is that you want. We begin to pray, yes, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm beginning to understand. And as we, as we worship, as we pray, as we receive the Holy Spirit, we begin to understand from him, ah, oh, I, I think we've got more of a sense now about, about where we're going as people. I think we've got more of a sense now about what you want for us as a church. And we begin to pray back to God those things. That's when, in the kingdom of God, the wheels start to turn. It's kind of, kind of prayer 101. Mike Bickle puts it like this. He says, prayer is really simple. It's, it's us asking God the things that he asked us to ask him. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of simple, isn't it? It's us asking God. We, begin, we, we say, God, your will be done. Ah, oh, yes, I see how you work. I see what you want to do. Yes, God, we're praying those things back to you. And as Jesus prays and as we pray, then God moves in response to these things. God is in, Jesus is interceding for us to the Father, not because of his reluctance, but because it's precisely what Father God is longing to do. To bless us, to forgive us, to restore us, to bring us back into the, that flourishing that Guy was speaking about. That flourishing life, this is what he wants for us. That's why it says, isn't it, that if we ask anything according to his will, we know that he hears us and we know that we have the thing that he's asked of us. Because actually we're learning to bring our prayers in alignment with the will of God. That's what God wants. That's what the Father wants for you, to be flourishing and to be restored. The second reason that Jesus is praying for us is that he is answering the accusations that Satan levels against us. You know, the Bible, probably one of the most common uh, kind of titles or descriptions of Satan in Scripture is that he's the accuser. Have you ever seen that? He's the accuser, that he is one who comes before Father God in his capacity as judge and says, look, I have, I have this evidence against this person and this person and this church and this ministry and this city. Listen, you don't have the right... You don't have the right to bless this one. You don't have the right to forgive this one. You don't have the right to save this one. You don't have the right to be in relationship with this one. They don't have the right to enter into the call and the purpose that they have for their life. Because look, look at this sin. Look at the list of sin. Look at the evidence that I have gathered against them. And, and he comes before the Father. We see this a number of times pictured throughout Scripture. He comes with accusation. Before God, I think oftentimes when we think of we think of Satan as an accuser, we, we think of him as directing his accusations towards us. That little voice whispering in our ear, you know, oh, a bit rubbish, aren't you? Call yourself a Christian. You should do that again. I'm sure Satan probably does do that. It sounds like exactly the kind of thing he would do. But actually, it's a legal term. When the Bible speaks of him as an accuser, he is the prosecutor. He is the one bringing a case against us, saying, "Father, you can't, you can't bless them. Look, it, it's, it's here." You wrote it in your own law. You can't bless them. And Jesus comes and says in 1 John chapter 2, he says, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have what? We have an advocate. 
We have someone standing in our defense, literally in the, well, not in the dock, in the, what do you call it, the, the defense, wherever he stands or she stands, <laughs> literally, literally interceding before us, saying, listen, I have pleaded, I plead the blood. This is the blood that I shed. This is the sacrifice that I made. This is what I have done. I have paid in full the penalty and the price for their weakness, for their sin, for their compromise. I've taken on myself on the cross their suffering and their sin, and I have shed my blood for it. Father, judge, you have every right to bless them. You have every right to forgive them. You have every right to restore them. You have every right to bring them into the fullness of the plan and the purpose and the flourishing that you made them for. All the things that you were planning before, for them before the world began, bring them into all of it because I have paid it in full. Jesus speaks on our behalf. He's not reluctant. I love the way this plays out. I'll finish with this. I love the way this plays out in the life of, of Simon Peter. If you want to just flick back a little bit uh, to Luke chapter 22. And this is, just, this is just a few hours before Jesus is going to be arrested. Uh, and he's going to be tried. And he's going to be crucified. And he knows that in that moment, he's one of his dearest followers, dearest friends, Simon Peter, is, is going to go through the biggest trial, the biggest kind of breakdown, the biggest crash of his life. He knows that actually, in, in literally before daybreak, before the rooster crows the next morning, he is going to have thrown away everything that he spent the last three years living for. He's going to flatly deny that he even knows Jesus, this one that he's, that he's given everything for, this one that he's, 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 he's done miracles and signs and wonders with. He's he spent three years sitting at his feet doing exploits with him. He's been up on the mountain with him. He's raised the dead with him. He's, he's, he's given himself to this thing, and he knows that in this moment, he's going to flatly deny him. He is going to crash and burn. He can see Peter in his mind's eye. He knows him there weeping in the dust with his face buried, thinking, that's it. I've done it. I've ruined it. I've made a shipwreck of my life. He knows he's going through that trial. And he talks to Simon Peter about it. He says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. He knows he's going through a season of sifting. Satan demanded. That word demanded actually is it's a legal summons. It's like a subpoena. He's, He's demanded you for trial, that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you. He says, I've, I've been praying for you, actually, Peter. What does he pray? He prays, first of all, he says, I've prayed for you that your faith may not fail. You're going, through, you're going to go through hardship, Peter. You're going to go through trial, Peter. And Peter's always like, no, 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 I'm not. No, no, I'm not. Everyone else will. I won't. <laughs> yeah, you will, Peter. But I prayed for you. This isn't going to be the end of you. Yes, you're going to fail, but you're not going to be a failure. I'm praying you out of this season. I'm praying you into restoration. That actually this thing will not be the end of your relationship with me. This thing will not be the end of your walk of faith. I've prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, he's, he's not praying if... He's not praying, well, I hope he makes it through this. Well, if he does, I've still got some stuff for him. And he's saying, when you have turned again, that turning, that word turning means a literally a, a, a wholehearted turning fully back to God. It's, it's repentance. It's full restoration. It's, it's coming back to the, to the place that he has been in his relationship with Jesus. When you have turned again, he says, 
go and strengthen your brothers. Peter, there is nothing at that point when you have turned to me, when you've come through, when you've been washed, you've been restored, you've been forgiven. There is nothing in that moment that disqualifies you, Peter. There is nothing in that moment that stops you living out your vision. You're going to be an apostle to the nations, Peter. You go get on with it. Don't be held back. There's nothing that is going to hold you down. There is no shame. There is no guilt. There is no accusation. There is nothing that is going to prevent you. You're not disqualified. And if you've been walking through a season, if you identify with what Nick shared last week, he said, actually, you hear, you hear a sermon like this, you, you, you hear this, this vision, and you think, yeah, but, yeah, but if you knew... If you knew what was going on in here, if you knew, I've not connected with Jesus for months. If you knew what I was battling with, if you knew the desires that were in my heart, if you knew the heaviness, if you knew the depression, if you knew the breakdown that I've been having, if you knew what was going on, if you knew what I'm struggling with, you wouldn't be inviting me to take part in this. I'd like you to consider that Jesus, even now, even now, is praying. Is interceding for you. He's praying, Father, their faith may not fail. This is not the end. This is not the thing that's going to bring them down. This is not the thing that's going to derail them. Father, I'm lifting up. Look, I shed my blood for this. I gave myself on the cross for this. Lord, restore them. Father, restore them. You can do it. I'm praying, Jesus says, in line with your will, that they would flourish. And not when, not if, but when you have turned, when you've come to that place, when actually you are fully aligned with him, when you are given your life to him, when you are restored, will you go get on with it? You go and strengthen your brothers or whatever it is that you know God has put in your heart because he's planned and ordained for you to do. This is what Jesus is praying. And actually, Jesus is the firstborn, isn't he, of many brothers and sisters, and he leads the way in prayer. So actually, what I'd love to do is to bring us into a place where we can begin to pray in agreement with what Jesus is praying. Can I just invite the band to come up? Let's, let's stand together, if that's okay. I'm going to pray, and then in a moment or two, I just want to make an invitation. And um, maybe you're kind of, maybe you've identified with, with one or more of the things that I've been talking about. Maybe you feel like, actually, I'm in that place where, yeah, I get it. I'm still here. I get the vision. I understand. But actually, this, it's just what I've been going through, what I've been carrying, this, this season that I'm in, this, this place that I'm in spiritually. It's just, it's just so busy. It's just, it's just hard. And I'm going to invite you in a moment, once I've prayed, just to, just to come and come forward. And we're going to, a number of us will just pray with you. And we're not going to make it complicated, but we're going to pray those prayers that Jesus prays. We're just going to lift you up before God and pray that your faith will not fail. And pray that actually you will come into that season of being fully turned. Maybe that's the case of, maybe there's some things you need to lay down. Maybe there's some things that you need to say, actually, I'm just... I just need to repent of that way of thinking. I need to repent of that thing that I've been doing. I need to turn back. Maybe you just need to be strengthened. 
Maybe you need to find hope again in the fact that Jesus is for you. That when he brings his prayers, he's not bringing them mechanically. He's not bringing them because it's his job. He's bringing them with deep compassion and sympathy. And we're going to pray that when you've turned, you'll go and do the thing that God has put on your heart. And we'll pray for it as a church. So I'm just going to welcome the presence of God. And then in a moment, I'm going to give an opportunity for people to come and pray as we get into worship. Father, we thank you so much for Jesus. We just love Jesus. <laughs> thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you so much for his, his life. His life. The way he was. He just, he just loved. He prays. We thank you so much what he's doing right now. Thank you that you love to hear his voice. Thank you that you love to hear him say, I love this one. I know, I know what they're going through. I, I remember the tears I shed when I was doing that thing. I remember how difficult it was when I was walking through that season. Forgive them. We love it. We just want to draw near now. Father, I don't know all the different things going on in our lives and other things going on in my life well we want to come before the throne of grace I'm just reminded of the next bit of that verse actually sorry I'm not going back into preaching but I will pray this we don't have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses one who is in every respect tempted as we are yet without sin so let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. God, we come before you as a church, as individuals. We come, we actually come before the actual throne. We haven't got it all together, Father. But we're coming because Jesus lets us. We're coming because Jesus is encouraging us in. We're coming because Jesus is speaking up for us. And Father, I pray right now, send the Holy Spirit. Send the Holy Spirit in the room. Do you come and minister all those things whoosh, that we're carrying? All, that, all those things that are too hard for us. Oh, all those idols we can't give up. All oh, those sins that we can't lay down. All those things that we can't let go of. Do you come right now, Holy Spirit? Come right now, Holy Spirit. Yes, come Holy Spirit.